Welcome one and all to Sunday Connections. This is your host, Robert Rogers. I'm the founder of Parkinson's Recovery in 2004. So this is our 10th anniversary. Much of the research that I launched 10 years ago has focused on identifying various options that offer the possibility of relief from the symptoms that are associated with the diagnosis of Parkinson's disease. I have to confess that when I started my research, I had this idea that I would be able to identify a small handful of approaches, of modalities, of therapies that would really make a huge difference, three, four, five perhaps. When I got into really learning more about the symptoms of Parkinson's disease, I identified option after option after option from basically interviewing people who have the symptoms and solved it for themselves and told their stories and from healthcare professionals, from medical doctors, from researchers who were able to report a number of options that from their research made a huge difference. This resulted in the writing of a 364 or 70-page book, Road to Recovery from Parkinson's Disease, I quite frankly was a bit overwhelmed because not only did I identify a number of complicated factors that cause the symptoms, but as a companion I identified a large number, we're talking dozens and dozens of options, therapeutic approaches that help reverse those symptoms. So I have to confess that I was surprised at where my journey really uh, took me. And as a result, uh, just over the last six months, I decided from getting a number of calls from people who said, there are so many options, I don't know where to start. I do now offer consultations to people, 45-minute consultations, where we talk some about the history, about what the individual thinks might be factors that are causing the symptoms, and then given where they live, I uh, make some recommendations on several options that I think might be useful for them to consider and investigate further. So if you're beginning to listen to this program and the idea that you've got in your hip pocket is, I'm going to give you the two or three options or therapeutic approaches that are going to basically solve the problem that you currently confront. That's actually not what's going to happen today. So I want to give you a heads up. If you need those kinds of answers, there's not just the book, Road to Recovery from Parkinson's Disease. I've really put out all of the information on my Parkinson's Recovery blog and on the many other websites that I actually maintain. So the information is all out there. If you'd like to be able to search for options, you can do so on the Internet. It doesn't cost anything at all. What this program is going to focus on is the challenge of reversing the symptoms such that a person becomes literally symptom-free. What is it that becoming symptom-free really takes? That really is the focus of my talk today where I'm going to reveal the 10 secrets 
to being successful in reversing the symptoms of Parkinson's disease. And I think I can give you a heads up. What I'm about to tell you is probably nothing that you would have ever expected to hear. This builds on the more generic work that I've done in the book that I just released last month, Seven Secrets to Healing Chronic Disease. Those are the seven basic secrets. The ones that I'm going to talk about today are very specific to the symptoms of Parkinson's disease. So what's the first secret of the ten that I'll talk about today? The first secret is cast off, cast away any identification that you might have or have ever had with Parkinson's disease. Now, the most frequent question that I am asked, and I would say 90% of the questions that I ask from people who call me every single day is the following. What people say is, what therapy has the best chance of helping me, of reversing my symptoms? In other words, what's the best shot that you can give me? And we talk about that some, about some of what I've discovered in my general research and about the fact that most options really do offer some degree of relief for people. The next most frequent questions are the following. What a person will ask me is, well, tell me, given your research, because I know you've been working on this for 10 years now, what's the chance that, and they'll give me the name of a therapy, will reduce my symptoms? Sometimes the therapy is a supplement. Uh, sometimes it's uh, medicine, sometimes it's uh, uh, kind of body therapy. There are lots of different therapies that people ask me about. And I'm happy, of course, to tell them something about what I know about that therapy, what it's designed to do, and what reports I've heard from people about how effective it is. But then there's always a follow-up for folks that want to follow along this line of inquiry. The next question is, well, what about therapy B? And then so they'll give me the next therapy. Perhaps it's stem cell therapy or some other kind of therapy. We'll talk about that for a while. And then usually there's a third or a fourth. In other words, what about therapy C? What about therapy D? Now, what I think is probably frustrating to people when, when I have conversations with people who really want to have quick answers to these questions is there is no answer for these questions, for these particular people, nor will there ever be good questions. So from a research point of view, look at it like this. What really is the relationship between whatever therapy you might want to consider pursuing and Parkinson's symptoms? So I've been a researcher many years. Uh, I've been very quantitative in my work, and so correlations are a part of my life. Now, from a research point of view, uh, I thought that what I would do is I would do a cumulative analysis of all of the studies that looked at the various options that are helping people to one degree or another and Parkinson's symptoms. I thought that would be an interesting study to do. And it is true that when I really have looked at a lot of the research on lots of different modalities like acupuncture and energy healing, et cetera, et cetera, it, you do find that there are results, and they're positive. People do get some degree of relief. 
in some cases the average is not huge in some cases uh it's relatively small but in all cases i have not seen any situation where it's actually negative so of course the question turns on well if it's so small is it really worth your trouble or effort now why is it that when you look at those types of studies and you ask those questions what's the relationship why is it the the relationship is most uh puzzling why is it that it's so small well the answer is this most people who have been diagnosed with parkinson's disease have something else parkinson's disease is probably one of the most misdiagnosed diseases of all diseases and many diseases are misdiagnosed in fact the american medical association has reported that 85% of diseases are actually misdiagnosed parkinson's disease falls within that category so when i say well well wait a minute parkinson's disease is something else let me just give you a list of what I was able to discover in my interviews with with individuals who have Parkinson's disease and who succeeded in reversing their symptoms as is revealed in the book Pioneers of Recovery. Now here's my list. It's quite shocking really. Here's what people revealed they discovered was what was causing their neurological symptoms that were associated with a diagnosis of Parkinson's disease that they actually received. GMO foods, candida, trauma and stress, dehydration, a compromised immune system, whiplash, bacteria, viruses, toxins, a blocked jugular vein, the absence of groundedness, family entanglements, physical injury, and negative thought forms. Now, that's a mouthful, don't you agree? That's a lot of factors that people who had neurological symptoms identified as the source of their issue when they found an approach a therapy or modality that addressed those particular problems their symptoms resolved for some people completely and for other people resolved to the extent that they were able to lead now vibrant full lives so why am I saying the first secret is that you ditch, that you cast away any identity that you might have with Parkinson's disease? The reason is really quite simple. It pits you into the valley of the false belief that the condition is degenerative. I'm guessing that most of you are very familiar that when you look on the Internet and you type in Parkinson's disease, It is a depressing experience, unless you happen to land on Parkinson's recovery. You find lots and lots of websites that are doom and gloom, lots of websites that will attempt to sell you nursing home tickets or walkers or canes or some kind of assisted devices to help you button your buttons, etc., etc. I've gone to a number of events for Parkinson's organizations, and quite frankly, at the end, I get very depressed because every booth is sort of an assisted facility kind of a thing. Nobody is there really talking about, okay, let's talk about life giving rather than life losing. So I want to say 
that I think one of the first secrets for the people who've really succeeded in healing Parkinson's disease is, okay, you've got a diagnosis. That was the opinion of one individual who happens to be a medical doctor. Well, great, that's their opinion. They may be right, don't get me wrong. But what I'm saying is, my research has revealed there are lots and lots of causal reasons why these symptoms exist. One of the ones that you may be familiar with, and maybe not, is Lyme disease. This is a particularly nasty, devilish bacterial critter in the body that once it really nests into the cells, boy, it can have all sorts of neurological uh, complications, create those complications. So there are lots of different factors that create these symptoms for people. And I just want to say I think the first thing you can do is, wait a minute, why do I keep thinking about I have Parkinson's disease? Why do I tell my friends I have Parkinson's disease? You simply have some neurological symptoms. And yes, some of them I know for many of you are challenging. I'm not, dis, I'm not, just, uh, uh, I'm not saying that I don't acknowledge that. Of course they're problematic. But to identify those with a specific label is not constructive. Let the medical doctors do that. They have to do that to prescribe the medicines. But you do not have to identify yourself with that particular label. It's going to create lots of negative energy. It will get you depressed, and it's no place to be able to heal. The second secret is, and you're probably not going to like this secret, but I'm going to tell you anyway, there will never be a cure for Parkinson's disease. And I want to say something else. If you see somebody that says, well, they've got a cure, I would say to you, be very suspicious. I would very much suspect that it's a scam. And now, why will there never be a cure for Parkinson's disease? Well, look again at the whole business of what's the diagnosis the diagnosis of Parkinson's disease is a what we call garbage can diagnosis. It takes into consideration lots and lots of causal factors. So obviously you're not going to have a blanket cure if the causal factor happens to be a specific virus or a toxin such as a heavy metal such as mercury or aluminum or manganese or a physical injury or a person that simply rattles around lots and lots of negative thoughts. Do you see? It depends on the cause. So if you're going to say Parkinson's disease, no, nope, I'm telling you right now, not in our lifetime, not in our children's lifetime, and not in anybody in our family's system's lifetime now and forevermore will there ever be a cure for Parkinson's disease. It's not the right way to think about it. The third secret, if you have this idea that you have to fix your body, in other words, it's up to you, it's your responsibility, you will never get well. You heard me right. If you think that it's up to you to solve this particular problem, that your body is basically faulty, your body's not working, your body is an idiot, it's like you're the boss and your body is the employee and your body is not doing the job that it's supposed to be doing. So you're going to fire your body and you're going to take charge and you're going to figure out, in fact, what's really going on. The truth of the matter is, and again, you might not like to hear this, your body is already working 
perfectly. And again, imagine that your body is your employee and you are the boss. So what are you telling your body? Body, you are not doing the job correctly. I'm going to fire you. You simply can't get it right. Well, the reality is, I'm afraid we can't fire our body because we are living in it and we depend on our body to be able to take us from day to day. The truth is that my body, your body, is the boss. It's not me. It's not you. My body and your body has the wisdom to heal and to adjust whatever happens to be necessary. It's not up to you, and it's not up to our health care provider. When I believe and you believe, and I've had this belief in my lifetime, I can assure you that I'm the one that has to assume responsibility to fix my body. Again, I am digging myself into the same dark and damp and dusty, dirty hole of negative energy that will ensure that I will remain ill. The body really is a miracle. And when there are symptoms, the body is giving us information about what's out of balance. And so literally we just have to respond to what the body is telling us. I can assure you that in the body, every second, there are a minimum of 100,000 information signals that are sent. 100,000 information signals every second. Think about it. And you're going to boss that? You're going to figure out how to fix that? I don't think so. The fourth secret that I want to reveal to you is there will never, ever be a simplistic explanation for why you currently have symptoms. I believe that there are people who have the idea that the reason they're having symptoms is because they do not have enough dopamine. Their body doesn't make enough dopamine. Really, you mean that's all there is to it? It's as simple as that? I don't think so. The reality is that what I discovered in my research is, yes, dopamine can certainly be an issue for people, but it's not a problem with the body's ability to manufacture dopamine. You see, your body manufactures dopamine itself. It's an access to the dopamine that winds up being a problem. The reality is that there are over 40 hormones in the body, and dopamine is only one of them. And the body is the only one that is equipped with being able to adjust all of those different hormones and the different quantities and strengths that are necessary in order to be able to keep us moving from day in and day out. The causal connections of what's happening in the body defy any researcher's ability to track. I don't care who the researcher is. There are so many causal connections happening every second in the body that it is truly mind-boggling. So I want to just say that as I see it, there, the body is very complicated. There are many, many complicated things that are going on every second. And for us to step back and try to do any kind of simplistic diagnosis of what the problem is, is really 
not honoring and recognizing the wisdom of the body to be able to do this for ourselves. The fifth secret. Underneath the problem of, and again, the causal factors that can create these neurological symptoms are uh, toxins, heavy metals, bacteria. There can be hormonal imbalances. There can be lots of different factors that create these neurological symptoms. And usually, if there's one bacteria, there are probably, my heavens, 15 or 20 other viruses or bacteria that are in the body. Uh, reality is that uh, research has shown for people over 50, 90% actually have active cancer cells in their body. It's just that their immune systems are so strong that cancer winds up not being symptomatic. So we've got lots of things in our body that are inside, and they're, some of them are pretty nasty, but as long as the body is able to contain them, it doesn't create any particular symptomatic problem. The problem is that when the toxins, when the bacteria, when the viruses, and when the hormones get too much out of balance, then yes, neurologically, we can begin to suffer. So what's underneath all of that? Uh, and the answer is, and it's not an answer that a lot of people like to hear, the answer is trauma. Trauma remains embedded at the cellular level. Now, a lot of people go on heavy metal detoxes. They've had tests, and their doctors have told them they've got way too much mercury, let's say, or manganese or some other kind of noxious heavy uh, metal such as iron, and they've got to do a detox. And so the person, month after month after month, they do the detox, and they try to get that heavy metals out of their body. But the reality is that it doesn't really quite ever get out like it needs to. The doctor does another test and says, well, you've still got quite a bit of mercury in your body. Well, what's the reason? How come that heavy metal stuff isn't getting out, even though you're doing these chelations and these purges that uh, medical doctors know are supposed to work? And the answer is that trauma, as it turns out, is pretty scary to the body, and so what the body will do is it'll hold on to those heavy metals. The body will not release those heavy metals if trauma is still embedded at the cellular level. So the reality is that the heavy metals are actually helping you stay here on the earth. If it weren't for the heavy metals, those frequencies of heavy metals are relatively low-level frequencies, and they are more consistent with the frequencies of the earth. So the body is, is, is a survivor, and intuitively what the body is going to do is it's going to hang on to that bad stuff until you release the trauma. Now, how do I know this? Well, yes, I've done a lot of research on Parkinson's. I've been working on this a long time. But I know this for, for a lot of different reasons. One of the reasons is that people who currently experience the symptoms of Parkinson's are the movers and the shakers of the world. They make and you make the world turn around. You make things happen. You are the successful people in society. It's true. Look at yourself. You know what I'm saying is true. You have the ability to focus. You have the ability to exert control over your world and make things happen. These are incredible skills and unbelievable talents. Okay, where does this incredible ability to focus and to make things happen actually come from? Well, in most cases, 
It comes from early traumatic experiences where you were not in control. Now, the response that we have to these kinds of experiences is to do everything possible to exert control over our own life. I mean, if we can't control anything, what do we do? What do you do? What do I do? I'm going to begin to see if I can control my life, if I can control the world, if I can make things happen. And so this creates an intensity in the individual that is truly unparalleled. So if we are consistently out there working on controlling the world, controlling events, making things happen, we're pumping a lot of adrenaline and there's not much space or energy for the body to switch over and make the dopamine. You see, these are companion processes. The body can do the adrenaline, great, and but when it makes the adrenaline, it's not working on making the dopamine. Remember, the dopamine is that delicious hormone that allows us to relax, lay back, hang out, have a good time, and enjoy life. So if we're always pumping out the adrenaline, if we're always in a control mode, no, the body's not going to be able to switch on that dopamine channel. So the reality is when we cannot slow down our mind tripping process and address the ever-present anxiety and fears that are present. They're present in everyone, but particularly people who experience the Parkinson's symptoms, then the body will continue to struggle to remain in balance. So the bottom line of everything is, yes, of course, heavy metal toxins uh, are, are an issue. Yes, it's important to see if you can do detoxes. Yes, uh, bacterial infections are an issue, and it's important to increase and enhance the immune system to get rid of those. But underneath everything, the reality is that to release the trauma is the key if you are serious about becoming totally symptom-free. What's the sixth secret? The sixth secret is to focus on bringing your elimination organs back online. So, and by that, when I say elimination organs, we're talking about the basic organs of the kidneys, the colon, and the liver. Because you want those elimination organs to be healthy as possible so that you can get and purge the bad stuff out of your body. So what you want to do is, in other words, to ask yourself, well, what do my kidneys need to be able to get healthy? You're not saying your kidneys are diseased. They're not diseased. You're still alive. What you need to do is to say, all right, I've lived a life for quite a few years now, and chances are there's some stuff in my colon that's creating a problem, probably some heavy metals and God knows what else. So maybe it's time to be able to do some colon cleanses or some liver cleanses because I can assure you Everyone has a liver that's compromised, whether they have Parkinson's symptoms or not. What's the seventh secret to healing Parkinson's disease? Well, this one may surprise a lot of you, but the seventh secret is a lot of people actually never succeed in reversing their symptoms because their energy fields are running backwards. Uh, there are different words for this. Uh, some people refer to this as spin. 
In other words, the cellular spin that you had that everybody learned about in grammar school is supposed to go clockwise. Well, what happens is all of a sudden the spin is counterclockwise. If you, for, on some days, are feeling scattered and a bit fuzzy-minded and unclear, uh, anxious, then it may be that you're in spin. You can't make things happen. Everything seems to be going wrong. You feel a little bit jittery. Uh, if you have tremors and those are worse than usual, uh, what are they caused by? Well, the, the spin or the reverse uh, the, 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 you can have chakras that instead of going uh, uh, clockwise, they are going counterclockwise. What causes that? Well, solar flares are one big factor. We've had a lot of solar flares over the last few months, and so that could be a basic reason. Hybrid cars have batteries that can flip an uh, energy system into reverse. Uh, cell phone towers and even cell phones themselves, uh, if you're a rabid cell phone user and you always have that next to your body, it could be uh, one of the reasons or the primary reason you're having neurological challenges is you, you're being continually exposed to that electromagnetic pollution. You may have ungrounded electrical wiring in your house. Surprisingly, some people are sleeping in bedrooms and the wiring in the bedroom is not actually grounded and that's creating uh, this spin. Uh, you may have in your house uh, smart meters. These are what regulate electrical systems. A lot of people think that, well, smart meter doesn't have a lot of electricity. I'm here to tell you, if you have a smart meter that's monitoring the electricity in your house, you need to take positive steps to get rid of it now. You can uh, talk to your doctor, get your doctor to write a letter to say this uh, may be compromising your health. Uh, take it to your electric company and get them to take out the smart meter immediately. There's a lot of research on this now, and I'm interviewing several people here in the next several months who will be talking to you about the dangers that smart meters are creating for people in their homes. Uh, I understand smart meters are, are really, they're not just monitoring the usage in the house. They want to know exactly uh, what you're using in terms of how much a refrigerator uh, time are you using how much energy for with your um, all of your devices in your house and so it's not it's not that so much as a problem but the energy that goes into your house winds up creating a field uh, compromise and we all have energy fields and if our energy field is not uh, is, is not working the way it should which means it's 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 everything is spinning in the right direction then we're going to go crazy quite frankly so. Uh, look around. If you have a cell tower nearby, you might consider selling your house. If you have a hybrid car and you might have just bought one, I would suggest, well, you might want to sell your car or at a minimum at least get some sheepskin. If you put a sheepskin over the battery, that can sometimes insulate the, uh, the exposure of the batteries, uh, which can, again, create all kind of havoc in your field. For solar flares, well, that's a problem that we're all going to be exposed to and we can't do much about. You can get out of spin pretty easily, but you just have to recognize that's what the problem is. The eighth secret of the ten is many people actually never succeed in reversing their symptoms because they are continually exposing themselves to toxins and other harmful substances without even knowing it. So. This kind of sounds probably like, well, no, it couldn't be me. I've been pretty careful about, you know, not 
eating food that I know is bad for me, and I, you know, I don't, I'm not really exposed to stuff that's that bad. I'm talking about really simple stuff here, folks. For example, the cleaners that you use to clean your sinks and your floors and your toilet bowls, are they really safe or not? How about the shampoos that you are using to shampoo your hair? Do they have chemical names in the ingredients that you don't know anything about that are strange to you? I would say if there's any ingredient in whatever shampoo that you're using that you don't know anything about, don't use it. <laughs> I wouldn't use it. I would find something that's natural. What about your soaps, the soaps that you use where you're washing your hands day in and day out? In other words, everything that you use in your life, do a new assessment the laundry soap. What laundry soaps are you using? It could be you've used the same soap for your entire life. It's never been a problem when you were young, so why is it a problem now? It may be a problem now because you do have an accumulation of toxins and other harmful substances in your body. Your body is overloaded, and it just can't get rid of everything. Your body really does need some time to be able to do the work that it knows how to do quite well. So it may be that although you've used that, that detergent all your life, it may be it's got a chemical in there that is one of the primary sources of your problem. So I'd like to say do a total assessment of everything that you touch and everything that you put into your body, everything. And if you look at the ingredients and it has some chemical name that you can't understand, throw it away and get something that's natural. There are great natural ways to, to wash your clothes, even crystals that are energized by sunshine. Uh, there are great substances out there these days that are really green, so there are a lot of wonderful choices out there. You may think that, well, I really like this deodorant. I've used it all my life, and it you know, feels like it's me. Read the ingredients. Do you want to get well or not? It may be you're putting that deodorant on every day, and that's one of the primary reasons that you have the symptoms that you do. Ninth secret, and this is really a basic one. In other words, instead of focusing on what's wrong with your body, focus on giving your body what it needs to regenerate, and you will get well, it's as simple as that. Give your body what it needs. What does your body need? In other words, notice ninth. I'm not talking about focusing on the neurological challenges of Parkinson's disease. It has nothing to do with that. The answer is focus on giving your body live, organic food. We're not talking about sugar here. We're talking about live, organic food. Move your body. Your body's not going to get well unless you move each and every day. And finally, there are some certain basic substances that you do have to give to your body because you're not going to get them in food. Now, three of the basic substances are magnesium, iodine, and D3, which you can get through sunshine. So that's not a big problem for most people in the United States today since we have a lot of sunshine. But in the wintertime, it is a big problem. So on the new website that I've just opened up, we do have some discussion there of mag magnesium and iodine. That new website, by the way, if you haven't heard, the wonderful announcement is parkinsonsrecovery.me. 
The other website is still there with the radio show links and all the links to the many other websites that I maintain. But this website is the new website that has organized all of the wonderful services and programs that we offer. Again, it's www.parkinsonsdisease.me. And so those are two substances. Uh, magnesium, we cannot get in the food that we eat. Iodine, again, we're not getting that in the food that we eat. So those are basic building blocks for any neurological sim uh, uh, system. And so I, I take both of those myself all the time as well as D3, and it really does help me uh, stay healthy. So the ninth, ninth secret is basically give your body what it needs and realize some of the foundational core substances you're going to have to also supplement. The tenth secret, the final secret is, and this is one of the secrets that I mentioned for all chronic illnesses in Seven Secrets to Healing Chronic Disease, the book that I just released last month, is spend your time, spend your thoughts, spend your energy doing what you love to do, and you're going to get well, period. If I look at the many, many interviews that I've done with people, I have consistent reports from people when they tell me that when they're doing an activity that they truly have always loved to do, they have no symptoms. Symptoms are not a problem. And I'm telling you, the list is really mind-boggling in terms of what people have told me. People have told me ping-pong a person who had pretty serious neurological challenges with mobility and coordination, when they got a ping-pong paddle and started playing ping-pong, they were a champion ping-pong player. No problems with symptoms. Painters, musicians, the list is endless. Kickboxing, tennis, and it may be that you're not going to be the greatest tennis player now that you were when you were younger, but if you love to play tennis, if you love to do any of these activities, why did you give them up? You are focusing on the issue that you have some current symptoms. Focus on life-giving activities. Spend your time doing what it is that you love to do. What gives you joy? You know what it is, and if you don't, then begin to explore a little bit further. It could be you've spent your entire life working, making money, taking care of a family, but the fact was that everything you've done is not really what has given you really true joy and bliss. One person that had a wonderful story for me a number of years ago was that he was a very, very successful businessman, and he began to develop some of these neurological challenges, and he started doing woodworking, making furniture for family members, and he said, oh, my God, I can't believe it, how much I love making this furniture. It gives me so much joy. Oh, and by the way, and incidentally, when I'm making the furniture, my symptoms are no problem whatsoever. So I just want to say a lot of people get into those negative thought forms, those those valleys, those pits where all you can do is think about the problem, the pain, the agony, the difficulty. You want to just shift out of that because those are thought forms that are not going to help you heal and begin to focus your energy on what you love to do. And you'll be surprised that all of a sudden, after two or three hours, you didn't even really think about symptoms as a problem. 
So those are my 10 secrets. And again, I suspect that those are not what you expected to hear. But after working on this for 10 years now, I have really pulled myself away rather than thinking about a specific therapy is what really is going to be the key to reversing symptoms or a set of therapies. What I've realized is at the foundational core, my list of 10 really is what's necessary. And of course, you are the one that has to take responsibility to make that happen. It's not going to happen if you are expecting that it will come from any outside source whatsoever. Now, I've got a list of questions that have been submitted by individuals, and I want to turn to that now, and so we can be sure that everybody who submitted a question will be able to get my two cents worth on what it is that you'd like to be able to have some perspective on. Fred from Oregon submits the following question. My motor functions are doing well. My greatest concern is mild cognitive impairment. So his question is, how do I reverse mild cognitive impairment? Well, clearly here, Fred, we don't have a clear idea of what's causing this, but I have a place I want to recommend for you to look. If you look at the meridians in the body, the stomach is directly connected to the brain. My research has revealed that mental challenges, mild or even severe, are all rooted in digestive issues or in stomach issues. So it may be that you've got some bad bacteria there in your stomach that are the real culprit. There's a really interesting uh, research that's been done by the inventor of the Shiren, whose name is Johann Boswinkel. Johann does assessments using light of the meridians in the body, and so he's been able to identify where the meridians are basically blocked. And after about 25 years of research, he comes to the following conclusion, which I found to be quite fascinating. In his work, what he says is problematic for about, he says, at least 80% of the people, which is a staggering proportion, have appendicitis. And if you have appendicitis, it also means that you probably have tonsillitis. So that's, that's an amazing finding. And, of course, the body is such a miracle. The body can contain that so that the symptoms are, for many people, not actually revealed until they actually get older. But it's possible that you, you like many other people, at least according to Johann Boswinkel's research, have actually an appendicitis infection, and that might have gone into the digestive system, and that's what the core issue winds up being. So for you, Fred, it may be that, looking specifically at issues in your digestive system might be the answer to helping your cognitive system come back on balance. Uh, the best approach is if, in fact, there are bad bacterial infections, and I'm saying that that appendicitis infection, and there are several appendicitis infections, is a bad infection. You need to get rid of that first, and then after you get rid of that, then you can make sure that you have the right probiotics those are the good bacteria in your digestive system. And then I think you're going to notice that your cognitive abilities will all of a sudden soar to the heights that they were just a few years ago. So my suggestion is look at your digestive system, 
look at your stomach issues, consider the possibility that you might have uh, some infections, uh, and again, perhaps it's appendicitis. When the bad bacteria get into the digestive system, they scare away the good bacteria so that you can eat all the good food in the world and it's not going to be digested. So you might be eating a great diet, but it could be that it's really it's really not being assimilated by the body. So that's my two cents for you, Fred. I hope that helps. Giddy from Dubai has the following question. I feel dizzy when I am standing up or walking, but it goes away as soon as I sit down. Is this a Parkinson's disease symptom or L-DOPA or low blood pressure? So uh, you've already heard my spin on Parkinson's disease. I would step away from any thinking about that since I think that just needs to be relegated to the domain of medical doctors. Is it a medication issue? Well, perhaps. Is it low blood pressure? Perhaps. Perhaps it's a, a whole combination of interactions in the body that are creating this particular problem. Uh, Giddy, let me just suggest to you a couple of possibilities. Obviously, I don't know, and as I'm sure you're aware, although many people call me Dr. Rogers, I'm not a medical doctor. I can't diagnose, and I don't want to diagnose. I'm not, I'm not skilled. I'm not equipped. Uh, I'm, I'm not skilled to do that, and, and I'm certainly not, uh, I'm not legally able to do that. Uh, but again, I want to say I don't want to do that because I don't think that's something that I want to do with my life. But I do want to say that you might want to look at a, a couple of possibilities for why this is occurring. The first possibility is that you may have rampant inflammation in your ears. Ears are what we have to have in order to be able to balance. Why do you have uh, rampant inflammation in your ears? It could be that, you know, like I was mentioning to Fred uh, just in my last response to his question, it could be that you've got tonsillitis. And that's due to a uh, companion infection of appendicitis. Again, for those of you that might have missed that explanation, if the frequency of tonsillitis is very similar to the frequency of appendicitis, so if anybody has tonsillitis, there's a very good chance they have appendicitis too and vice versa. So it could be that you've actually got tonsillitis. A lot of people think when the tonsils are removed that that problem of tonsillitis is removed. Not true. We've got a lot of tonsils in our throats and so the reality is a lot of people have tonsillitis and it's creating problems for them and they don't even know it. Giddy, I've got a second possibility for you to consider. It may be that the reason you have problems is because of whiplash. In other words, if you were in a car accident or if you were an athlete and basically had your head knocked around quite a bit or if you had a lot of emotional abuse, you might have whiplash. Now, what does whiplash do, and why would that create a problem with when you stand, you get dizzy? Well, the reason is this. When a person has whiplash and it's not treated, then what happens is there's a disconnection between the pituitary, which is the main controlling organ in the body, and the thyroid. When that happens, there's a huge difficulty with the distribution of calcium in the body. So if the thyroid's not, the parathyroid is not working correctly, that's the major organ that distributes the calcium, then unfortunately, if it's not working correctly, the body can send calcium all over the place. It may be sending calcium up there uh, around your ears. 
And so it could be an accumulation of uh, calcium is really in the wrong place. So clearly one of the possibilities is, and again, these are just possibilities for you to uh, entertain, Giddy. What you might want to consider is uh, getting some healing for your whip lash. Again, that's a neck injury. And the more that that heals, it may be that the more that the dizzy uh, problem when you stand is going to be resolved. I have a question from Michael from Arizona. And here's what Michael says. My question is in three parts. First, Parkinson's is the result of a deficiency in the production of dopamine. Well, again, as I think I've uh, discussed a little bit earlier, uh, Parkinson's disease is a garbage can diagnosis, so it could be due to any particular issue. Uh, it is true that some people do have a deficiency of dopamine, but it's not because the body can't make it. It's because of a problem of access. So it's actually a very complicated kind of uh, an issue. Uh, the question is, how do you intend to stimulate the production of dopamine? Well, I would say that the the main issue for most people, going back to my 10 secrets, is that there is a continual need to be in control. In other words, to be uh, going, going, going all the time. And so adrenaline is pumping all the time. So it's not a question of encouraging the production of dopamine. The key is to address issues of anxiety, of stress and trauma, so that that urge to control can be quieted and then there's space and room for the body to do what it knows how to do quite well, which is to produce dopamine. So the the way to produce dopamine is not to do it directly, but rather to realize is the reason why the body's not producing dopamine is because we are on overdrive. We are we are uh, trying to control the world. We want to make things happen every single minute. We can't take a rest. We can't hang back. We can't relax. And so that's why a lot of people who have neurological challenges find that meditation can be so incredibly helpful. Uh, that calms us down. I can tell you, though, the difficulty is that the production of adrenaline stays in the body for about 48 hours. The production of dopamine is pretty short-lived. It's only a few minutes. So when you're producing adrenaline, it stays around. It hangs around a long time. When you're producing dopamine, it's got a pretty short-lived time span. So it's really a question of getting to the core, as I see it, as I said earlier, of really healing the trauma. When the trauma is healed, the stress and the anxiety are resolved, being in fear is resolved, and you can, you can claim your life back. So now your question says, how do you manage to regulate the supply of dopamine since too much has the same effect as too little? And so again, I think here, the idea is that you have to regulate that. And I'm saying, well, some people uh, certainly feel that that's something that's their responsibility. What I said earlier is my belief is your body knows how to do that. You, you don't have to figure it out for your body. Your body can do that itself. And so relegate that responsibility back to your body and make your body the boss, not you. Thirdly, what constitutes a cure and then I have Parkinson's since 97. My doctors are Dr. Dahl and Dr. Abraham Lieberman, both wonderful doctors. I've heard wonderful uh, reports on both of them, and so you're under the care of two marvelous physicians. What constitutes a cure? Again, I think I've already mentioned that in my response to the secrets. There never will be a cure. 
because it depends on what the, uh, the, the causal factor or factors actually are. Uh, and so I wouldn't wait around for a cure. I, again, in, in my secrets to healing, I would just cast aside any identification with a diagnosis, in this case of Parkinson's disease, and then I would just work on strengthening my immune system and getting my elimination organs back uh, to their, their full health and reclaiming my body and avoiding exposure to new toxins. Uh, so, no, I don't think there'll ever be a cure for Parkinson's, again, because it's a diagnosis that's a garbage can diagnosis. We have a question from Pam, who's from Arizona, and here's what Pam says. I was diagnosed with Parkinson's disease in February 2013. I am currently taking Azalec, also the Aquas, for those of you who don't, don't know, that that's the Aqua Hydration Formula designed by two marvelous Australian researchers that basically resets the whole mechanism that the body uses to trigger thirst and distribute water through the bodies. We actually have aquas for sale on our new website, parkinsonsdisease.me. When you buy the aquas through that particular website, 100% of the profits go to pay for all the technology that we actually use. So those that's uh, a recommended therapy by John Coleman, who is a naturopath doctor that reversed his symptoms a number of years ago. Now, uh, uh, Pam goes on to say she takes L-glutathione, and Pam, I want to stop here. You don't say how you're taking that. If you're just taking glutathione, chances are it's not doing much good because it's not passing through the blood-brain barrier. Uh, I would suggest if, if glutathione is something that you really want to uh, pursue as a supplement, be sure to listen to my radio show with naturopath Dr. Lori Michely, from the summer of 2010. There are two shows there, and Lori has uh, basically experimented extensively with a nasal glutathione spray that she's getting great results with with her patients, and she's now done a study with that that shows the same thing. So uh, I would suggest, um, uh, again, not knowing what kind of glutathione you're taking, it may be that that's having very small effects. And then you're also taking some extra B vitamins, great. And you're taking Dr. Perlmitter's uh, protein, brain sustain. Well, that sounds great. You're doing yoga and you're doing qi, uh, qigong. So that's a wonderful set of therapies uh, that are going to make a huge difference. I still have some stiffness and right leg drags and a minor tremor on the right arm. Would it be an appropriate time to start LDN or is, or is there some other approach to try first? Well, uh, Low-dose naltraxone, for those of you who don't know, uh, is, uh, is being used by some people with wonderful results because it enhances the immune system. And if you've got issues with bacteria or viruses or heavy metals, it allows the body to be able to recognize their, their presence and to eliminate them. It's a slow process. It takes some time, uh, but the LDN basically tricks the immune system into uh, basically literally coming back online just as a computer comes back online when it goes down. Uh, so uh, the question is, well, what do I try next? Uh, what might be appropriate? The idea I've got for you, Pam, is one that I actually cover in Seven Secrets to Healing. I think it's always a smart idea. Instead of trying to ask uh, somebody like myself who's a researcher or a medical doctor or a friend or a, a healthcare practitioner of one modality or another, I think the way to get the answer is ask your body. It's simply muscle test. 
And if you muscle test, you'll be able to find out whether or not your body says yes, that would be a good thing to do, or no, it wouldn't be. There are lots of healthcare practitioners that know how to help you muscle test, so find one that can, or you can learn how to muscle test yourself. I've got a discussion in Seven Secrets for people who'd like to be able to just learn how to do it yourself, because you can muscle test any question, anytime, anywhere. So I'd like to suggest in getting an answer to that question, uh, obviously the body's a complicated uh, uh, miracle, and we don't really know what it needs. Um, I certainly don't know, and I would have to say I would doubt anybody else does, but your body does know the answer. So muscle test, get the answer from your body, and then you'll know whether or not you should take it or not. And by the way, you can go back and muscle test your glutathione that you're taking to see if, if your body needs that, as well as the aquas, as well as the B vitamins. You can muscle test everything to make sure that you're doing exactly what your body needs right now. Well, the question from Ellen from Avalon. I don't know what country that is, but Avalon. And her question is the following. Is there any question besides how you stop this, which is quite an interesting question. And I would say, yes, I think that question itself feeds into the low-mo energy of the symptoms themselves. So when we spend all of our time thinking about the symptoms, we're literally giving food to them. We're feeding them. We're making them worse. It, by basically asking that question, it's feeding the symptoms with energy. So I would like to suggest, yes, I do think there is a better question to ask. And that question might be quite simply, what would give you the most joy today? Quite simple. What would give you the most joy today to do? And then to go do that. In other words, instead of focusing on the symptoms, focus on what really gives you joy and happiness. And yes, there may be some symptoms that are problematic and that create a bit of an obstacle to doing whatever it is. Don't let that stop you. What I'm saying and what I mentioned earlier is once you really begin to do something that you truly enjoy, symptoms are going to be far less problematic. I don't mean for, for some people they do disappear, but for others they simply get so uh, minor that they're not problematic at all. So that's the question I would like to suggest, uh, Ellen, to you, is what would give me the greatest joy to do today? And then, of course, the next step would be go do it. Olav from Finland asked the following. I wonder if you are informed about the effect of vibroacoustic therapy frequencies transmitted directly to the body. And then Olaf says, instant gratification. And I want to say, Olaf, yes, I am. And I, too, was, have been totally enamored and excited with the vibroacoustic therapy. Uh, we actually purchased uh, a, a full-body vibroacoustic system about five years ago and used it here in my family extensively. People with Parkinson's came, and, and, and some of them used it as well. Uh, uh, and, and I find that it's a marvelous therapy. So for those of you who don't quite know what that is, it's vibration combined with sound. It's very, very powerful. Uh, and it may be that for some of you hearing this for the first time, you're thinking, oh, that's a new development. And yes, some of the actual creations are new, some of the uh, actual lounges and pads that have been invented. But 
The fact is that the idea originated with Dr. Charcot, C-H-A-R-C-O-T, who was a French neurologist who was actual the neurologist who named Parkinson's disease. That's what he's most known for. But he would see his patients come to him, some of them in railroad cars and some of them in carriages, and notice that their symptoms were far less problematic than people who came by other means. So he thought vibration might have been a key, and he actually invented a vibration chair and would sit his patients in this vibration chair, and they, he, they would, as a therapy, they would vibrate them for 30 minutes to 45 minutes, and they found they got wonderful results. This was 1893, and fortunately he died the next year. The chair no longer exists, but the idea was picked up just in the last uh, five or six years. They've now been creating some vibration devices, some pads, some lounges, and combining those with sounds. We do have a vibroacoustic uh, uh, device that I found is quite excellent in a company that, that's really very reputable, and we've got that listed on parkinsonsrecovery.me, my new website. So for those of you who would like to learn more about vibroacoustic therapy, go to the new website. It's just been opened. It's easy to remember. It's www.parkinsonsrecovery.me. There's a video there on the research uh, that's been done at Rush uh, Medical Center, and so you can get a lot of additional information. And like Olaf, uh, you might discover that it, that it does, in fact, give you instant gratification. No, it's not something that's going to solve everything, but isn't it nice to see those symptoms melt like ice cream in the summer day and feel so yummy, uh, at least for a period of time. Now, Bernie from Australia uh, has the following question. I have been using the approach described by Dr. Joe Dispenza in his groundbreaking recent book, quote, You Are the Placebo, to reverse my Parkinson's disease symptoms. He teaches how using thoughts alone to increase dopamine production and to reduce Parkinson's disease symptoms. He presents brain scans as confirmation of the beneficial effects. What do you think of his profound approach? And my answer is yes, thoughts are where it is at. Bernie, I totally agree. Thoughts are the foundation of everything. Before anything existed, there was nothing. What created it? And it turns out to be thoughts. So two of the books that I wrote after I got into researching Parkinson's addressed just that issue, Five Steps to Recovery, are all about transforming our false beliefs about what is really going on with these symptoms. Five Steps to Recovery, and then I did a, a follow-up book a couple of years later called Language of Recovery. The reason I did that book was I realized that I, myself, continued to have some negative thought forms that were not in my best and highest interest. And I thought, well, how can I identify all of those unconscious beliefs and thoughts that are impending my own progress in life? And so I basically went to the technical aspects of language. And the language we use is revealing about our subconscious thought forms that are so negative that they are impeding our ability to come into our full power. So I wrote Language of Recovery, and that identifies all of those very specific words that we use day in and day out 
that are actually signals that we have these negative thoughts that are feeding the symptoms. So I totally uh, uh, support and believe that Dr. Joe Dispenza is on the right track. Thoughts are where it is at. The more you can transform those thoughts, the quicker you're going to heal. A lot of people think, well, it's not dealing directly with the physical or biological aspects of the body. No, it's not, but it's at the core of everything. So five steps to recovery from Parkinson's disease is all about the transforming false beliefs and language of recovery is about the specifics of the language that we use day in and day out. A lot of people don't realize it, but they use language that affirms that Parkinson's is degenerative. And so they're basically affirming to themselves they're not going to get well just by the way they talk. And, and for people that I talk with day in and day out, I usually, and I hope I'm, I never embarrass anybody, but I usually call it when I hear it. So when somebody uses language and they'll say things like, well, I'm doing best, uh, the best I can to make sure that this doesn't progress as fast as, you know, as it, as it could. Well, that's a thought form that basically says that they believe that they're going to basically uh, degenerate over time. So I usually will uh, call that and I'll say, well, you believe that this is degenerative. And they'll say, well, no, no, I, no, I don't believe that. Well, you just, but you just said that by the words you used. So I think it's important that we we be circumspect about the words that we actually use. Another word, and I'll just give you another example of words that people use all the time. People will say, well, I hope there'll be an answer for me. I hope there'll be an answer. Well, hope is a qualified possibility. And usually when people say hope, the reality is they're saying chances are this is never going to happen, but still I'll hold out 1% chance that something good is going to happen for me. So you see what I'm saying is hope is a word that's actually loaded. I would stop using hope if I were you, and I would just say I'm getting well today, period. In other words, watch your language, watch your thoughts. It creates what it is that you find in your life today. I have a question from Clyde, who's from New Mexico. Clyde says the following, does male candida affect my nervous system and other Parkinson's disease symptoms? Now, Clyde, I have to confess, I didn't know there was a male candida and a female candida. All I knew, all I am aware of is that there's a candida. One of the stories that I documented, not only in my radio show, but in Pioneers of Recovery, is from Lydia Epp. Lydia had some pretty advanced Parkinson's symptoms, as did her husband and did her new, uh, her ex-husband. And she's a researcher. She's quite an amazing uh, researcher, a biochemical researcher. And so she began to research why did she have these symptoms. And she discovered and has an actual paper that's all, it's on the blog and it's discussed quite extensively uh, here in our radio shows that basically there is a, a direct connection between candida and the neurological symptoms associated with Parkinson's disease. So she did a candida cleanse, which took her a while, and lo and behold, presto, no more Parkinson's symptoms. So Pioneers of Recovery documents that story by Lydia Epp. Uh, you can hear the radio show, but you're going to have to go back about five years. The radio show page has page after page of radio shows, so so basically skip back, I think there are now 20 pages of shows, so if you skip back probably to about page 
15 or 16, you'll see my interview with her where she talks about how she was able to become symptom-free from having a diagnosis of Parkinson's disease uh, by basically realizing that it was all due to candida. So, yes, candida is a factor. Bacterial infections are a factor. Viruses are a factor. Heavy metals are a factor. You'd be surprised at how many different factors can create havoc with the neurological system. It's a very delicate system, to be sure. So to think uh, that uh, it's not going to be sensitive to any of these kinds of intrusions is a a misnomer. Uh, So yes, my answer is uh, my research reveals, and particularly as uh, as expounded by Lydia Epp, that candida can be an issue. Uh, It may be that it's not the only issue for people, and for many people who have Parkinson's symptoms, there are actually a multiplicity of factors. When I actually... um, Um, began to do my research on Parkinson's, I decided to do lots of holistic assessments for myself. Uh, And so I asked the question, well, instead of doing a very specific assessment to find out, for example, well, do I have enough vitamin C in my body? Do I have enough vitamin D3? Rather than doing that is basically do kind of like a whole body scan to see what's really out of balance. And what I discovered, to my amazement, was that there are lots of issues in my body. I don't have any symptoms, but my goodness gracious, when I looked at the listing of bacteria and viruses and toxic substances and heavy metals, uh, I'm, I'm really astounded that I'm, quite frankly, still alive, which, which I have to say is another way of saying that the the body really is a miracle. And while we may have these things present in our body, the body is able to uh, handle the difficulty one way or another. Now, some of you may be curious when I say, well, I did these holistic assessments. I've done them all. And I find that the reason I know there's validity to these assessments is they all overlap. They all basically have said the same thing because I've done them all. And uh, the list that I've got for you of the assessments that I've done are bioenergetic testing. I've interviewed Dr. Ivy Faber, who's a naturopath doctor, and she's done now about seven assessments for me. Um, When I saw the list uh, initially that she did in 2000, I was amazed at the number of substances in my body that should not have been there. And the bacterial infections, uh, I had uh, rabid strep in my body which made sense because with family members, I've been in hospitals taking care of them quite a bit in my life. So the reality is that bioenergetic testing is a marvelous way to get an assessment of not just candida in your body, but other kinds of imbalances. And I've found that to be very successful. I'm actually, uh, it's the book I'm working on right now uh, with Ivy Faber uh, so that we can explain to people exactly what it is, what kind of results that you get, and then what you do with them once you get them. So it's called bioenergetic testing. Uh, The person I use is in Canton, Georgia. I never met her personally, but she's done a lot of work for me over the years, and her name is Ivy, F-A-B-E-R, and I believe her website is com. I've also gotten iridology. This is where a person takes pictures of your eyes. It's amazing, absolutely amazing. They can see from the spots in your eyes what organs and what systems are compromised. And I've had that done, and when I see the results, they map perfectly on the other assessments that I've actually got. So 
uh, iridology is great. The people who do it, uh, the charge that they give you is, is nominal. I think the last one that I did was only $100, and the information that you get is golden. You can also do holistic assessments of what's out of balance in your body uh, using voice profiling. Um, the person who uh, has done that for me is Sherry Edwards, S-H-A-R-R-Y. Her last name is Edwards, E-D-W-A-R-D-S. She's in Ohio. And you can call up on her happy hour, which which I, I've actually got a number of shows where we've recorded her happy hour events with people with Parkinson's. And you basically talk for 30 seconds. She takes a recording of your voice profile, and she can then see... Uh, what are the major issues uh, just as as embodied by your voice? Isn't that cool? <laughs> I think that's so cool. And so I think that's a great thing. I always tell people, go on a happy hour and get a free assessment and see what voice profiling tells you about what's out of balance. There's also Biontology. Again, that's the technology that was invented by Johan Boswinkel from the Netherlands. That can give you some great clues about what's um, out of balance in the body. There's hair analysis. They can take clips of your hair and get some ideas about, uh, for, for in particular, heavy metals and other kinds of substances that shouldn't be in your body. And then people can look at your feet, believe it or not. If you just literally look at, at what's in your feet, uh, you can have calcium deposits down there, and there's a point on your feet uh, to each and every organ in your body. So uh, a person who's a reflexologist can see if there's an organ that's compromised. They can see how healthy your your kidneys are and your colon is, literally just by looking at your feet. So all of these systems are really quite interesting for me. I've done them all. They've all been useful. They've all been helpful. They've all been relatively inexpensive. And so I would encourage anyone who's uh, concerned about what they might want to uh, tend to in terms of a presence of a substance in their body that needs to get out, you might want to stop and just do some of these holistic assessments so you get an idea of what you're up against. And again, so the question from Clyde uh, from New Mexico really focuses on candida. Yeah, yeah, that may be the case, but, but Clyde, there may be a number of other uh, viruses or infections that are in your body. Uh, again, I just want to say I, my, my revelation just in the last several years has been how many infections can or have been present in my personal body uh, at, at the same time, and yet I haven't had symptoms, and yet they've been there, and detected not just by one of these holistic assessments but, but others as well. So I think I think what we can do is realize, well, we, we live quite a long time. We're exposed to a lot of viruses, a lot of bacteria. It makes sense that those are going to get into our body. After all, we've got open passageways through our nose, through our mouth, uh, through our anus. We, we, there are a lot, there's a lot of things that can get inside our body and need to get inside our body for, for uh, life because we've got to digest food. But the reality is that I think uh, if you look at really what's in most people's body, it's it's pretty scary, really. Uh, I, I was cast aside, and, and I think I wrote about this in Road to Recovery from Parkinson's Disease. I was giving a presentation about Parkinson's, and a funeral director came up. His wife had Parkinson's. And he looked at me, and he said, well, you wouldn't believe what we see when we cut people's bodies open. I said, what do you mean? He said, oh, my God, the the infections, the uh, the goop, the colors, the masses are just unbelievable. And I said, oh, you're talking about people with cancer. He said, no, 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 we're, I'm talking to everybody. <laughs> he said, you wouldn't believe what's in there. 
I was aghast. I tell you, I thought about that day after day, thinking, my God, I wonder what's in my body. And I think I think it's true that we really we we do have a lot in our body that that needs to get out, which is one of the seven secrets of uh, healing of any chronic disease, and that is get the bad stuff out first rather than worrying about putting any of the good stuff in. And I want to thank you so much for being supporters of Parkinson's Recovery. Tell your friends, get the word out. We don't have any marketing department <laughs> for people to know that we're documenting the many different ways that people are reversing their symptoms, and we're documenting the ways that you can determine what factors are causing these symptoms. And so we're providing as much support as possible. You can certainly help others by letting them know about Parkinson's recovery. And for any of the books that I've ever published, if you've gotten them, if you like them, call your library and uh, or just order them from your library. If, you're, if the library doesn't have them, then just your ordering the book through your interlibrary loan at your library sometimes can make a big difference in the library being interested in actually carrying the book. I would like for all of these resources to be readily available to people throughout the world for free. So call your library, order the book, especially if you got it, you like it, and would like for others to actually have access to it. Thank you so much for writing in your questions and for being a part of the community of individuals who are dedicated to figuring out what it takes to reverse the symptoms of Parkinson's disease. And that's what's happening on, you guessed it, the shores of the Puget Sound that I'm looking at today that are absolutely spectacular, where all the women are smart, all the men are handsome, and all the children are truly loved. Know that by virtue of the fact that you are spending your Sunday by listening to this program, that you indeed are on the road to recovery. May your week be magnificent.